Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with, pa- with patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one, to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above and through and all, and all, in, all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts, Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the, into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all of the heavens, so so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to equip equip the saints for the work of of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us came to the unity of the faith and all the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body growth in building itself up in love. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say after that. Um, well done, Nolan. Good job. Well done. My name is Reverend Dr. David Bruner. I am one of the co-pastors here at Knox. It's great to be with you all this morning. I want to say hello to all of you. I want to say hello to everyone who's watching online. Um, As many of you know by now, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Better Together. We're looking at the highs and lows of Christian community. The last couple weeks, we've been looking at different disciplines that help Christians flourish in community. Disciplines like praying for each other, loving each other. Last week, we looked at serving one another. This week, we're looking at another discipline, truth-telling, honesty. Turns out that honesty is one of the disciplines that helps Christians flourish in community together. So, 
We just heard that wonderful reading from the um, book of Ephesians chapter four. Let me provide a little bit of context for what was going on there. Um, Ephesians is a short book, has only six chapters. The first half of Ephesians is about what God has done for us in Jesus. It's about the salvation that he won for us on the cross. The second half of the book of Ephesians is about how we respond. The sorts of behaviors that characterize a life in Christ. And this passage tells us two particularly important things about the way of life that should flow from our new identity in Christ. First, it's marked by deep unity. Deep unity. As verse 5 says, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Every Christian has the same Lord. Every Christian is baptized into the same name. Every Christian has the same eternal hope. Deep unity. And yet, within the body of Christ, there is also deep diversity. Christians have the same Lord, but not the same gifts. Every Christian has some gifts. No two Christians have the same gifts. And no one person has all of them. It was amazing last week to be here for Knox Serves. It was incredible, I really loved it. I wanna thank everyone who was involved. I especially wanna thank all those who helped plan and prepare and make the day go so smoothly. And also I wanna thank those who swung a hammer or worked a saw because I am not good at that. I don't know if you can tell from the everything about me, but that's not my gift. Um, and I watch other people work on home improvement projects sort of the way other people watch ballet. You know? You're like, wow, that's amazing that they're doing that. I could never do that. How do they do that? That's me. And you know what? That's okay, because that's what the body of Christ is about. Church is a team sport. We're all doing it together. And it's only when all of us use our gifts together that the church grows up into what Jesus wants it to be. It's only when all of us play our part in the symphony that we hear the whole in its beauty. Our calling as church is to grow in every way into Christ, into the fullness of who Jesus wants us to be. And we are collectively not to remain stuck in spiritual childhood. We are to press onward to what Ephesians calls the measure of the full stature of Christ. Spiritual maturity, that's what we're pursuing. And that's where truth-telling comes in. Isn't that interesting? Ephesians says, speaking the truth in love, let us grow up into Christ. You might expect it to say something else. You might expect it to say, praying all the time, let us grow up into Christ. It doesn't. You might expect it to say, coming to church all the time, let us grow up into Christ. It doesn't. It says, speaking the truth in love. Nothing um, is more common in church than talking to each other. There's a lot of talking at church. You've probably talked to several people already this morning. It would be weird if you hadn't. And yet Ephesians says that growing up into Christ involves talking to one another in a very particular way. That's very powerful. An important indicator 
of the health of our church is whether we can speak to one another honestly and truthfully. If we can't, something's wrong. And yet, Ephesians doesn't just say to be honest, it says to speak the truth in love. And those are two words that dramatically change the meaning of that whole sentence. The church is to speak to one another in ways that reflect both truth and love. This is hard to do. And if you look at the church, you'll find that often the church falls short by separating truth and love. Sometimes we want truth without love, and sometimes we want love without truth. Sometimes we try to have truth without love. This may be familiar to some of you. This can take the form of a sort of legalism or self-righteousness that can be found in the church. People who reduce Christianity to a set of rules or ironclad moral principles and then check down, mark down anyone that colors outside the lines, that doesn't measure up. Other times, especially in our age of social media, it can take the form of loudly and passionately denouncing the sinful behavior of others without any attention at all paid to the potential restoration of that person or the well-being of the church that they are a part of. Truth without love is not going to help this community flourish. Sometimes we try to have love without truth. We worry about being judgmental, about criticizing others, especially in the church. We know we should be loving, and so we settle for never ruffling anyone's feathers. Unfortunately, this doesn't result in authentic, healthy community. It results in what one pastor called terminal niceness. I love that phrase, terminal niceness. A a superficial sort of church that just papers over disagreements instead of really addressing them. Your pastor is 178 years old. He's done an amazing job, but in recent years, his ministry has begun to suffer. And someone needs to have an honest conversation with him, but no one wants to do it because they don't want to hurt his feelings. He needs a dose of loving truth. Your best friend's part of a Christian church, and he's always complaining about how his congregation can't meet its budget. They have trouble keeping the lights on and the heat on. And the congregation is full of people of means who could stand to contribute more, but they think putting 20 bucks in the collection plate makes them a heavy hitter. They need a dose of loving truth. Love without truth may seem nicer than truth without love, but the reality is that they're both not going to help the church grow into Christ. The Bible calls us to something better something more. We are called to be both and people, not either or people. We are called to both honesty and kindness, both justice and reconciliation, both truth and love. Because on the cross of Jesus, all those things are united and brought together. The cross is the place where we see the unvarnished truth about ourselves. That we're sinners, that we fall short, that we rebel against God. And it's also the place where we see the most lavish love of God expressed. 
that he died for us even while we were still sinners. We're called to both truth and love. So how do we do that? How do we do it? Um, There are three points I want to make about that. Point number one. When you speak, seek the best for the Christian to whom you speak. Seek the best for the Christian to whom you speak. The Bible tells us to speak the truth with love, and that word love is actually a very important Greek word, agape. How many of you remember when Becca talked about agape in her sermon a few weeks ago? Okay, there's more hands raised now than there were at nine, so I'm impressed. I won't go into a full deep dive about the meaning of agape. Agape is not just love. It's a particular kind of love. It's not puppy love or romantic love. It's self-sacrificing love. It's determined love. And it's love that puts the other person first. Agape love is as much a choice as it is an emotion. You can show agape love to someone even if they drive you crazy. Even if you have profound disagreements with them. You can choose to act out of agape even um, rather than animosity. You can choose to act out of agape and practice common courtesy towards someone rather than being belittling. So the first point is just before you speak, ask yourself, What role is agape playing in what I'm about to say? Second point, when you speak, seek the best for your church community. Seek the best for your church. Our speech in the body of Christ needs to be aimed at building up the community we're part of. It's far too easy in the church to to evaluate every program, every message, every activity, every event on the basis of one simple criteria. How does this affect me? (laughs) Do you ever do that? I do it all the time. (laughs) The reality in the church is we've been given a mission, a mission that's bigger than any one person. A mission to grow into the fullness of Christ and to share the light of Jesus with a world that badly needs him. And we need to speak to one another and make decisions with one another on that basis. Not on the basis of personal preference or individual desire. Before you speak to people here at Knox, ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to build up this community? help us love each other better, help us pursue our mission better? Or is it coming from some other place? Third, once you've spoken, listen and be open to changing your mind. Speaking the truth in love does not mean that everything we say to one another is gonna be true or correct. Sometimes, Agape means sharing our point of view and then discovering over time some ways that it was wrong or incomplete or one-sided. And that's one of the delights of Christian community. Over my time in the church, I have grown so much by listening to my fellow Christians and really sitting with their perspectives. 
means I don't have it all, but I can learn from my fellow Christians. So those are three tips for speaking the truth in love. How many of you are thinking, okay, I got it, Dave. I'm going to go out there and perfectly speak the truth in love from now on. It's going to be hard. Speaking the truth in love is difficult. It takes practice and good judgment and persistence. Of course, we're going to make mistakes along the way. What I want you to know this morning is not that speaking the truth in love is easy, because it's not. What I want you to know is that speaking the truth in love is possible. It is possible. And I want to share two examples of how speaking the truth in love is possible. The first one um, concerns my wife, Pastor Becca. Back in 2020, we were both serving uh, at Paley Presbyterian Church, the church we served before we came here. Um, And I had a real normal job for six weeks because I started in January 2020. And then life started to get a little bit weird when this thing called the COVID pandemic hit our church. Maybe some of you remember it. And Becca was the co-pastor at that church along with another guy, a guy named John. And I had a front row seat to watching Becca and John lead our church through the COVID pandemic. And as you can imagine, they had to make some tough decisions about things like meeting for in-person worship, requiring people to wear masks. Everybody had an opinion. Everybody's opinion was different. Everybody's opinion was individual. Becca and John didn't always agree to say nothing of the elders of that church on session. And yet, they were wholeheartedly committed to speaking the truth in love. And so they'd make decisions together. They'd get together, they'd talk, they'd listen, they'd express disagreement, they'd come to a resolution, they'd vote, and they did it. And that's how they got through the pandemic. They navigated resuming in-person worship, regulating masks, demasking, remasking, demasking again, you name it. And maybe that seems a little bit trivial to you. I don't know. It was a controversial issue. And I was so proud of our church and so proud of Becca because it showed them that they could navigate a controversial issue without tearing each other apart while seeking the flourishing of the church as a whole. That's my first example. Now, at this point, some of you are probably thinking, okay, Dave, that's a good example for normal people, but what about if you're talking to a person that won't listen to you? What about if you're talking to a person that won't stop talking? What about if you're talking to a person that that is operating in bad faith, that doesn't want to hear what you have to say, that isn't interested in the truth and love? It's an important question, because from time to time, we all have to deal with people like that in the church and outside of the church. The first thing to say is that you should come to the Purple Documentary if you want to learn more about this. Sunday, November 6th, we'll have a Lunch and Learn right after this service. It's really about how to engage with people across deep difference and how to improve our skills as a community in listening and speaking to one another across those kinds of deep difference. The person I want to talk about and the person I think about in those sorts of situations is Dr. Martin Luther King. 
He's a personal hero of mine. I know he's a hero to many of you as well. Dr. King was a person who spent his career confronting people. (laughs) Confronting not only his fellow Americans, but his fellow Christians, church people like you and me. People who were very deeply misguided, misguided about the nature of segregation and Jim Crow racism. There were a lot of people in the church who thought that segregation and Jim Crow were moral, that they were ethical, that they were ordained by God. Now, fortunately here at Knox and in most other churches, we don't have it quite as bad as Dr. King did. But I think his ministry shows us uh, how to speak the truth in love, particularly in situations where the other person isn't interested in changing their mind. Particularly in situations where the other person may even meet what you have to say with some hostility. And one of the things I love about Dr. King is that on one hand, he spoke with such truth. He didn't mince words. He called out racism and segregation and oppression and white supremacy wherever he found it. And on the other hand, he never stopped doing it with love. When Dr. King was campaigning in Birmingham, Alabama, members of the civil rights movement at work there signed a pledge card. They signed a pledge card that committed them to 10 points. And remember, Birmingham was a city in Alabama where members of the civil rights movement faced fierce, fierce opposition. Bombs were set off, they were hit with bats, they were spat on, they had fire hoses turned on them, they had dogs set on them. You'd think if anyone had the right to say, okay, we're gonna give up on truth and love. It was those people. No. Among other things, here's what the pledge card asked people in Birmingham to do. Meditate daily on the life and teachings of Jesus. Remember that the nonviolent movement in Birmingham seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Observe with friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. And refrain from violence of fist, tongue, or heart. I confess I find these points to be incredibly moving incredibly powerful. Even as they were telling the plain and unvarnished and hard truth about the unchristian and un-American nature of segregation, they aspired to do so in a spirit of love for those they were confronting. And when I'm talking to someone, when I feel like they're not listening, when I feel like Speaking the truth in love isn't working. I remind myself of this pledge card. And I say to myself, okay, Dave, if Dr. King kept telling the truth in a loving way, even when he was being yelled at and spat on and physically attacked, the very least I can do is try and find one more ounce of compassion and love for this person that I'm talking to. 
And the simple fact of the matter is that these techniques worked. They were effective. America's not perfect in 2022, but we're at a very different place than we were at in 1962. Much of the power of the civil rights movement came from its willingness to speak truth in love. And it has an undeniable power. So this week, I want you to pray about two questions. Two simple questions. The first is, how am I being called to speak with agape, speak the truth in love, here at Knox or elsewhere? Where is a place in your life that might benefit from speaking the truth in love? Second, how am I being called to listen, to listen with agape, here at Knox or elsewhere? Where can I have my perspective enriched and deepened by listening to the voices of others. Pray about it, act on it, and let me know how it works out for you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.